Cute, fabulous, fun. Cute, fabulous, fun. Do, 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 do. Feels fun. Everyone is cute, fabulous, and fun. It's the forecast podcast. Hmm. And now, your local forecast. All right, here we go. Welcome to the forecast. My name is M4 Sonic, and I'm joined by my co host, Chief Street. Oh, hello. And tonight, I'm pumped. We have a very special guest. We have Alex Hosking in the house. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So, you're in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. So, for all your fans out there, they probably think you're from the UK or America, but you're actually from Adelaide, Australia. Yes, I'm from Australia. I'm from Adelaide and I'm proud and I'm trying to get that out there. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, we've got lots of questions for you tonight. One of which is how did you get out of Adelaide? Um, But yeah, welcome. Basically, uh, this podcast episode is about unraveling your story, your journey, because I think a lot of our listeners would be intrigued to know how you went from, I guess, where we all started out, right? But you have written music with some phenomenally talented, large industry names, uh, but you're also very successful in your own right as a singer-songwriter. So let's just dive straight in. Chief and I are going to quiz you. How did, how did it all start? So did you, you started making music, what, since you were a child or was this a later in life thing? Yeah, so I started writing songs when I was little and I honestly just thought that everyone had a princess journal and wrote lyrics in them. I just thought that this was... This guy did. <laughs> cool, I heard about that. <laughs> I just thought everyone did that. And so I remember, I think I was just like in year two and I like came to my parents. I was like, check my new song. And they're like, oh, okay, interesting. And then it just... Never stopped. Yeah. Um, mum and dad will always just, mum always says, she's like, I told you you could be anything and you really ran with it. And like, nice. and I've, I did. I, I just kept on writing songs. But I, I really thought that everyone did that as a kid. So I guess, yeah, it just was one of those things. Was there a lot of music in your family? Like, were your parents playing instruments or anything like that? My parents actually met singing and no they way. met singing at church. So actually, it was a wedding. So they were both asked to sing. Um, was it called like internal flame or like some end, like endless love or something yeah, like yeah. that? Like some really sappy song. In the Hugh, back of my head, but I can't think of it. Eternal Hugh's song. Eternal flame. Yeah. flame yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and they're like walking across and they like met. And it's like, I mean, it's a really sweet love story still together. Um, but yeah, so they met singing and then they were singing at church and, um, and music was just always in the family. Mm-hmm. Big family. Everyone is musical to some capacity. And if they're not, then they think they're a singer. So... <laughs> Um, it was just always around that definitely had the foundation of why I probably went into it. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to do anything creative and arty. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that stayed consistent was like the writing of the songs and the singing. And um, and I guess that's what came out on top. So when when did the penny drop for you? Uh, my journey, it was much later. Like I'd finished school. I was definitely encouraged to do music, but it was never a career right. opportunity. So I've gone off to uni to study architecture. The penny dropped for me in third year. <laughs> when we're getting ready for our final exams, we had to choose whether to go into the master's program. And I just thought, I'm not loving this. This is not for me. And that's when I made my first ever video that I put on YouTube for fun. But it was like, I believed in it and myself enough that I thought something may come of it if, yeah. if it was good enough. Was there a moment for you where you were just like, I am going for this. This, this is what I'm meant to do. I just always as a kid would like, and this is going to sound so weird, but I would like go to bed 
and I'd like literally be like, I'd like, mom would be like, what's wrong? I'd be like crying in my bedroom. She's like, I just hope that I never lose this passion that I have for music. So I just always felt that strongly about it. Didn't necessarily know what to do because yeah. there is no rule book. Like there's no like you do this and mm. then this is going to happen. It's like you do this and maybe nothing will happen for the next 20 years or ever. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you just, there's no idea. Um, and so I don't know, I guess like there was, I was in school and I was, I would like spend my recess times in the music rooms and I would upload covers onto YouTube. So sort of a similar sort wow. of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did mashups of covers and it was in that period of time where YouTube streams were like, sort of, I guess like what TikTok's a bit like, you know, now-ish. Yeah. Um, and I I was just uploading and the streams were just doing really, really well. You won't find any of these videos on there. <laughs> by the now. way, I'm going to put a link in the gone. description. <laughs> I hope you save them though. They're somewhere living. I don't know if they are. I don't know. I think, I mean, actually that's another story there, but um, I'll save that in a second. But yeah, so I was uploading these YouTube, um, these YouTube, the covers, and then some producers in Nashville found me and it was like my year 12 exams and I was supposed to be there. It was the week of year 12 exams and I like finished my last exam and flew out that day. And I was like, I don't care at all yeah. about yeah. what I just did. All I care about is getting this country album. For some reason, I was a country artist. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so good. <laughs> and I just wanted to be Taylor Swift. And yeah, um, fair. Fair. I still mm. want to be Taylor Swift. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I just... Um, getting getting these songs done and that was sort of the, the moment and it was like just about to go schoolies and they were like you can stay longer and keep writing and I was like yeah this is all I want to do I, yeah. I just want to write songs like this is amazing and so, so you discovered on YouTube yeah same same a little bit I was gonna say oh. we got to YouTube goo. A YouTube moment okay. it wasn't as big as yours though it was mine was more micro but I will say pretty I big mean, you found you you've flown it out to Nashville so it was a it was a weird interesting situation because like I like got a lot of subscribers yeah. I got like big Facebook following even Tumblr was like still it was on its way wow, out Tumblr Tumblr was like doing its whole thing yeah, right. it was like a little indie girl mm. um, <laughs> did you like that I just went like this yeah. <laughs> we can cut that out <laughs> nah. no, no. <laughs> the best thing is to just move on yeah. and not highlight it and then it just blends into everything else um, but yeah no like it was it was just it was one of those yeah it was a weird situation and then um did that and I had a like a manager at the time, like very, very light manager. Mm. Wasn't any contract or anything, but he was like, you need to delete everything because your fans will follow you. And so I had like, I had like a hundred thousand followers or something on like, on like platforms and stuff like that. And what I deleted you, everything. What year is this? Why did he tell you? I don't know. I can't tell you because that would give away my age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he told you to delete everything. He literally, he told me, he told me to delete everything. And people were going to follow you. Well, as in if you made a new one. He was like, it. if we get rid of it, because my my stuff was like very like, like, I guess organic, which like now it's like ridiculous because like exactly everything that we're trying to do and we're yeah, trying right? to encourage. But it was like me sitting at a piano playing. And he was like, no, we need to make this way more professional. Yeah, we gotta polish so let's get rid it. of yeah. it. And it was yeah, in a okay. period of time when people didn't fully understand all of like, social media, it was still so new and it, everything was just, you know, stranger danger online and I don't know, whatever, all of those things. Yeah. So like, it was just a weird, a weird time. He didn't know what he was doing. He's an old school music head. Um, 
And so he just told me to do it. And I was like, oh, well, you know best. You did it? Yeah, I deleted everything. You, you deleted 100,000 subscribers? Yeah. We live in Well, it obviously worked. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he was right all along. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> this guy deserves it, a medal. It, I mean, it's been years of rebuilding. For it just sure. gives me huge hope. Because we talk about this a lot. My subscriber network is still what it was, but I can't access any of them. And so most weeks I'm like, should I just delete YouTube and start again? Don't delete YouTube. This is not me saying delete YouTube. Do not delete your YouTube. For those playing at home, if it's not working, delete. No, I do not sponsor that message. Your followers will follow you. They will not. Delete your TikTok I mean, actually, like the funny thing is now though, if your following is super organic, then they will. And I think the beautiful Mm. thing is like we have this whole new, so much has changed and happened in such a short amount of time because like, we're only talking like back a couple of years when this has happened. So like... The year was 2020. <laughs> the year was 2020. <laughs> time stamp everything. <laughs> well, I'm just interested because like 100,000 subs say in the between 2010 and 2020 yeah, is, is the equivalent of 10 million on TikTok now. Like it, right. it had depth to it. It had weight to it. It really did. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've deleted your network. I delete everything. And and I then go put an album out. I get like, I, I sell out the Gov. So if anyone like from Adelaide, that's mm-hmm. like a big deal. It was a huge deal. Really, really big deal. I had my posters, did my whole thing, made a band, sold out the Gov, sold, mm-hmm. I sold like a five, a thou, um, thousand plus like CDs, had my merch. You sold a thousand plus CDs. Definitely sold over that. We don't have too many left, but I didn't sell my wow. beanies. And that is something that I found out. Don't go into merch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the beanies aren't great. I think I did it on like some <laughs> random site. I'm not going to say the site name, but we can probably all assume. Was it a summer when you were selling this? It was <laughs> definitely summer. 40 degrees here it in was Australia. 40 degrees, like 105. I was going to say, whatever. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, over 105 degrees for our Americans. Americans. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the beanies were not it. Not so a vibe. We, we still have a lot of beanies. If we'll anyone, take them. yeah, for sure. Beanies are for you guys, and I'll free beanies two. for everyone yeah. who <laughs> listens to this gets yeah. a free beanie. <laughs> Why not? I'll take it. Yeah, I'm always rocking a hat or a beanie or something. I can use it. I'm not Great. wearing a hat tonight. You got a fresh haircut by the looks of I it. I did. It looks yeah. really nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it took the dude seven minutes. You actually look a bit. Like bronze too. Oh, looking good. Damn, actually, being caught out. Okay. Uh, Someone said, "Let me show up to this podcast yeah, today." <laughs> I I went outside. You went outside. Okay, that's usually how you get a tan, right? I think this is from your boat trip. Oh, okay. Yeah, we went on a we went on, on a, a sailboat last Ooh, week. Ooh, yeah. that was my invite. Not quite. Uh, we didn't know you were here. Yeah. Someone didn't answer her WhatsApp messages. Anyway. Okay, uh, that felt personal because I... (laughs) (laughs) I got two blue ticks and nothing. Mm. Don't answer my WhatsApp. I'm so bad. I actually didn't answer any of Luke's. We know. (laughs) We were sitting here like, should we invite Hosking on the yacht? Is she even going to come tonight? (laughs) That's why we didn't set up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so you've sold a thousand copies, but not a thousand beanies. Um, mm. You started out a gap, which is huge achievement. Is this where it starts to feel real? This is when you're like, this is what I'm going to do with my life? I was like, oh, I, I like for years prior, I was already like a famous singer, songwriter, yep. artist, every other thing that you could be like I, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I just was like, oh, this was like, this is it. Like I'm, yep. I'm doing it. And it was like, it was interesting. Like I'm like, you know, in year 12, going into my gap year, I decided to take a gap year 
promised my parents I'd go to uni the year after if I could just pursue my music. So my friends were all going to Europe. I'm slogging it, working so hard. I'm gigging four or five times a week, working multiple jobs, doing the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is it. Like I have my Taylor Swift moment. I'm really going to like crack it. It's going to happen. Nada. And I'm like, this is so hard. And then um, Sony was talking to me at the time. Um, they suggested that I did X Factor. Mm-hmm. So I went and tried out, did X Factor. I made it like reasonably far into the show, but didn't get much airtime. Mm. Wasn't really for me. I found that process like not super uh, cohesive to, to my artists. Sure. Um, but that year I ended up writing for... Um, the Voice winner, which was the first year of The Voice, which was Celia Pavey. She's now known as Vera Blue. Oh, yeah. And wow. I actually wrote her song and it went like number one on iTunes. It was like a kind of a big deal. And it was her debut, yeah. her song. It was the, the lead single. And that was like a really interesting space because for the first time I was like, oh, I can write for other people. Yep. And so again, I'm super young. I have like no idea. I've just had these experiences Nothing's really happening now. I'm trying to get anybody who like comes to Adelaide their support. So I'm just emailing out, sending 10, 20 emails a day, trying to guess email addresses. You told me this and I actually wanted to ask you. (laughs) So Alex told me once, so Alex organized a little writing trip up in the hills. And I think you were telling us, there was a few of us, I think there was about four of us, that you had tried to contact Beyonce. (laughs) And you did that by guessing. Email addresses. (laughs) Did you get in contact? So I, so I like went through this period of time and like I think the principle still is to this day, like I will always send out emails. A massive part of this job and being in this industry is rejection. We get rejected and you have to be like okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to be okay with it, but you have to have a pretty thick skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's tough and it's really hard. And I think what I'm really proud of or which I in hindsight having a moment now is like, I used to send these emails and just did it intuitively or like just as a practice. Whoever I could, whoever I saw, I just emailed out. I slid into DMs. I mm. did whatever I had to do. If I saw someone writing a song, I just, I'm, I can get nervous sometimes, but I would just, or someone singing a song, sorry, like out busking. I would just go up and ask if they want to do a session. Like no way. I just hustled and tried to get into the room or write with whoever. Yeah. The room, like, and so in that situation, um, I was trying to guess Beyonce's email address. What I did is I looked up every single person who had ever written a song with Beyonce. Um, which is Quite a, a few, of, I reckon. A lot of people. And I was like, I just would make these lists and I would just try and email out. And it ended me up on a couple of songwriting camps. Right. Working with people who'd written some quite massive Beyonce songs and also landing me in... Um, some sessions with uh, Rock Nation and having some meetings over there. And Amazing. I was definitely like too green and it was definitely yep. before my time and I wasn't probably ready at that point, but it's also what helped the whole trajectory of the whole thing. Funny you mentioned Rock Nation. <clears throat> it's reminded me of, I don't have that fire in me at the moment and I need to get it back. I've lost it. And it's something I admire about Alex so much. She's a go-getter. Like you, yeah, will, you, you will go... And get stuff done. And, I, and for a small amount of my career, I had it as well. It was when... <laughs> not small. You are nah. 100%. Don't, don't do that. Okay, well, I'll give, I'll give context. So the story goes like this. And it's to do with Rock Nation. I was... Like you were getting emails from Sony and stuff. I was getting the same um, attention from their dance label division, Ultra. Yeah. But I was also, I think, getting some interest from Universal. But nobody was really 
getting to the next step. And I had a manager at the time and we, we just were at a loose end. Like nothing was happening. He's like, okay, you're interested. How do we make this happen? So I just got on a plane to New York and caught up with Stargate <laughs> because this was, I think, the second time I'd met up with them. Uh, they had no idea I was coming. I just rocked up and banged on the doors and said, hey, I'm, I'm actually here to see Ultra because their headquarters was in New York. Do you guys want to hang out? And they took me to the Rock Nation studio. Oh, my gosh. And have you been to it? No. So it's on the top <laughs> floor. It's a penthouse. Oh, I forget. It's the, well, it's the Star Rock building, I think. That's what it's called. But it's all glass. Oh, my gosh. And they've got Alicia Keys' grand piano. And Rita Ora and Stargate were doing a session. And they put me in... Um, they, there was two other studios I could go into. So the Studio A was being used. They put me into a little holding studio, which was just all glass, looking over New York, which was incredible with the same speakers that I have now, which is why I, people are like, oh, those speakers aren't, you know, like the top two. I'm like, ah, been in big studios and yeah. they, they do okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other studio they put me in was, I think, Beyonce's writing room and it's all Louis Vuitton. So oh. all the walls are like Louis Vuitton leather. It was just incredible. I've got a photo of it somewhere and I've got that to show you. the coolest but thing. You just gave me the most random flashback. Um, but... I don't know what happens, uh, but you talk about the rejection thing and like we could, we could spend a whole another hour talking about the rejection thing. I think I got to the point where I was rejecting myself mm-hmm. after I'd had a certain amount of rejection. So like I admire you so much for not allowing that to um, dissuade you because I think when I left my last management team, they literally said, having not really put any energy into trying to fix the relationship, they go, we don't want to work with anyone that doesn't want to work with us. Mm. And that was enough for me to go, they're probably right. Mm. Probably am done. And it's, it's just interesting, you know, like in hindsight, now that I'm a lot older and a lot more mature and you're talking about being green and stuff, I'm almost too critical now because I have that maturity in hindsight where when you're young and you're ambitious and you know you have talent, like you know it, even if you're not talented, you just know you have talent and you're just going to prove everyone wrong, including yourself, and you just go for it. Like, kudos to you for just, but fortunately you have the talents back it up, but kudos to you for just going for it. Because I don't think enough people know what hard work is. Mm. They're like, I'm devoted, I'm passionate, I'm driven. Like, mm, are you? You're it's, waiting. <laughs> it's a really hard thing. Like the rejection part is like the hard, I, well, I mean, there's a lot of hard parts to this to yeah. this job. You don't do it unless you absolutely love it, right? Yeah, you have to really love it, right? Because it's, it's hard and it's lonely and it's really lonely and you're your own boss. And let's yeah. let's face it, like, you know, um, people that try and start their own businesses, like how many failed businesses is there? Like, I think it's more than 50% of businesses fail within four and five years or something like that. So right. you could say it's easily the same for artists. So it's the exact same process. We're all our own employers. Like we're our own boss. We're yeah. our, like we're our own company. We yeah. are the brand. It's so much harder. Yeah. So much harder. Like you think even like, you know, someone's starting up their own shop or something and like they talk about the brand and the business and stuff. You have to do that about yourself and you yeah. have to have enough hindsight and internal and like ego and all of these things We have to be humble. and have yeah. to, it's, it's, it's a full on thing. You don't do it unless you absolutely love it. Yeah. And I th- can see and understand and appreciate how people can become like, you know, just one one little move or one critical opinion. I try mm. so hard to be careful with my words because like it's so like damaging and so like you just don't know what you could say to a, you know, a young aspiring person or you're, someone you're working with that could just like instantly go like, oh, and that could be the end of their, mm. their thing. Well, I'm, I think I'm probably, oh, that, that was me. 
And it's and it's yeah. like and it, someone probably didn't think what they were saying. They were just like, oh, it's you know whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, and wouldn't have meant anything by it, but it just hits so hard. Yeah, well, I know now that I thought I was a really nice, kind person. I'm not. Why? Well, I'm working Wait, on myself. You are not to myself. Oh, maybe to other people. I probably try and fix everybody else's problems before I fix my own. Sure. Like last year was rough, like real rough. Coming out the other side of it now, but realizing that to get that spark that I had 10 years ago, 10 years is a long time too, yeah. right? It's still there. It's still, I can still do it, but it takes a moment, like huge momentum, an enormous amount of energy to do it. And I, I have to be so careful, like what you're saying, to not discourage people mm. because it is possible. You can do anything. Do anything. You can literally do anything. You just have to want it. You just have to want it and yeah. you just have to like, yeah, you just have to be excited enough and just like, and have a little bit of like, courage and be a little bit fearless and, and mm. you can have it. And I remember like when I was coming up, I would get like, you know, lightly mentored by certain writers or people in the industry. Mm. And they were like, oh, like, don't, don't, but don't listen to me. Like I've, I'm jaded from the industry. It was like this word that was always said, like, I'm so jaded. Yeah, like, I've heard that a lot. Like, yep. I hated that. And yeah. I remember again being really young and like, and being like, oh, like at first I was like, can't wait to be jaded. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then I was like, okay, no, hang on. Like I never want to have that. And as I continued through, the people that I see are the most successful, the ones that like, it's like water off a duck's back. Like totally. don't it let it. Yeah, yeah. There's no playing the victim in this game. You and, just, just got to own it. Like I'm, I've, I'm fully responsible for where I'm at in my career because I decided not to work with people that didn't align. And then, I mean, the pandemic happened and I lost all my... Like everything that was tangible, everything that made sense to do no longer existed. Mm. So it's like you got to pivot. And I just had to suck it up. Like, all right, so what do we do now? So we put everything into the studio. Luke has been kicking goals overseas. I've actually finally aligned with people that are making music to my style. And I'm super pumped and I'm ready to get out of Adelaide. Uh, I'm just a little bit older and wiser and grayer. So it's not a bad thing. But yeah. Great thing. Silver foxes do really well. Oh. <laughs> Rude, Alex. We're not silver yet. <laughs> we are. We just cut it out and I don't have a beard because it's going grey. Um, um, no, I will say this though, right? So when like we did Fake Friends, PS1, um, DJ hasn't really done the whole studio thing. So he's more of the live component, mm -hmm. DJed everywhere across America, yep. like done, all, done the thing. That's his space. And he heard fake friends working with the producer Mark, um, Mark Alston, um, that they're, they're like their duo team. And um, he took the song and he just sent it over to Perfect Havoc, which is a record label which Joel Corey was on when mm. he had this big, the first big song. I think it was Lonely or one of the one of the first tunes that he had. I can't remember. And um, he just email submissioned it. He just put it went on the website yeah. and just email submissioned it. Totally old school, but that is a perfect example of like a green approach because where yeah. I was at, where I was at at that time, I was grinding. I had no money. I was yeah. in and out of America. I was in and out of Amsterdam and London. I was like, how am I going to get from this place to this place? I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this cab. I, like my, you know, I was struggling, yeah. but never in my mind did I ever think I should just email submission like a record. And, and how many- You always think that's like a black hole and that no one ever checks him in that, but someone- yeah, Luke's on the other screen, end. Yeah. Uh, Luke Jackson. Yeah, we love our love global leaks. Um, how many, so for anybody that doesn't know that song, you must have lived under a rock, but how many streams now has that song had? On 
Spotify, it's over 50. I don't know how many, 50 million. I was going to say, it's um, <laughs> uh, just 50 plays. 50, um, 50, 50 million, yeah. And that's from a green submission of just hitting up the label. And yeah. it's small, like, you know, it's a, it's it's had some huge, huge artists come through it, that mm. record label. But um, yeah, at the time it was still, you know, like it, it, Joel had just had its moment. So it was, it's kind of an interesting one for this guy just to, you know, Pete to just like send it through. Yeah. But that's a perfect example of just going ahead and doing things. And I think that's what you were talking about when you were younger and you're just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to rock up to New York. Why not? Because why not? Why not? Because no one has told me that I can't do that. Spot on. That's the moment. That That's... I had not yet I'm, had a, this is weird. Why, why are you here? And in fact, I probably still haven't, but in my own mind now I'm, I'm second guessing mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I could, I could just go back to LA and just knock on someone's door. But what if they're like, why, why are you here? What are you doing? You know? I'm not going to let someone with small thoughts yeah. stop my big dreams. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Oh, that is, I want that on a beanie. Um, <laughs> Don't take that because that could be my next beanie option. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take twenty percent. Nah, you go. After everyone gets the just, beanies from just the send last me one, one. <laughs> I would wear that. We would wear that. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to go too far off, off the the course of your journey. But while we're on the small mindedness, have you felt that Adelaide, maybe even Australia, in the music industry, and not not that we're shitting on the music industry here, but you've probably seen it's like night and day compared to what's happening overseas, right? In terms of the enthusiasm, maybe, and the camaraderie, do you think it's better overseas than it is here? I wouldn't say better. I think like every single place that I go to has its like pros and cons. Mm -hmm. I love being back here. I'm actually doing like an EP at the moment and I'm working with like all Aussie musicians like getting like the synths played by like Luke Millions. Yeah. Another um, Another Aussie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yep. Um, local guitarists. Like I'm like tapping into the resources in my own, like even just being able to do things here. Yeah. There's greatness in Adelaide there and is. I'm so passionate about it. And I, and, and it's so exciting to be involved in a small community. And if you can make it in your hometown, like, oh my gosh, like Stan. Now, of course, like there's elements of like a bit of tall poppy syndrome, um, culturally, we we see that. We know that. That's nothing. That's not a new thought. It's strange though. We see it. Um, Don't believe it exists overseas. It's not as prevalent in, I think, American culture. Mm. I think in like British culture, like people are a little bit more subdued. Like they don't really want to brag. It's a little bit more chill. I think we can relate a little bit to the Aussie culture. I think like Aussies, we're just like so laxed and like laid yeah. back. It's like someone's like running around. They're like, that's crazy. What? Like whatever. Yeah. Um, so I can appreciate to that like that space. But I also think that like what comes out of Australia, like if you look at the charts and you look at like the things that are happening out here, we're low-key brilliant. And Adelaide's low-key brilliant too. Like we have some big names from here. Definitely do. But why is it low-key? Well, it's actually high-key. It's it's high-key. It's high-key brilliance because it's like we're, I, I mean, yeah, I feel like we should celebrate and like be a lot more excited about what's happening. And I think we need to change our perspective on that. And I think, again, it is part of the culture. It's like, we are just like, oh, like cool, chill, mm. low key. Yeah. Mm. So it is a good question. Why is low key? It should be more high key. We should be more proud. Mm. Like yeah. there is some dope ass shit happening in Adelaide. There's some dope ass shit happening in Australia. Yep. And there's some cool artists. There's some people that are making some real stuff. Yeah. And like, it's changing the world. Yeah. 
100%. So like I'm, I stan Adelaide. Like I'm the it's like a crazy fan. I'm like that so just good. in case. I like I like I love I rep. I'm like so proud. And yeah. I'm actually out in Sydney next week. Um, I asked like my team to like give me like the most underground DJs and producers. I want bedroom producers. I want to work with people that are like on their come up. I want to have those experiences because like there's nothing greater. And I want to like you know whatever I can give to them and hopefully and vice versa. There's so much to learn and. Um, and they're the ones that are making the cool stuff. Yeah, there's always cool stuff in the underground. It's like the next thing that's going to be popular is happening below the surface. Yeah. So tapping into that space. And I think that just goes to another conversation, which is ego. And I think like that's the biggest thing is like leave your ego at the door, like in every situation. But like I have, I don't want, I have no, I do not care. Like you're as good as the worst person in the room. And if Love you that. think there's a worst person in the room, you probably are the worst person because yeah. you're going to be stopping every idea. Yeah. yeah. And I really stand on that. You were telling me of some studio sessions where there'd just be one person who was just off. Yeah. Yeah. We've all had it. You did, And it's a grind, right? Yeah. You never want to be that person. I was going to ask, like, how do you not get in your own way when you're in a studio session? Because I found the first few times I was working with clients in that, you know, that studio was a foreign space to me. I wasn't, like, zoning. Mm. Felt different. I'm sure by now you've done it that many times that you're used to it. But early on, can you remember like you were just a natural and it was fine? Or did you kind of have to be like, no, believe in yourself and go for it? I've got like a hundred and I mean, how many sessions do I do a year? Like 300. I probably do like over a hundred sessions a year, whatever. Mm. I, I can tell you over like, I don't know, 800 stories of anxiety attacks. Yeah. <laughs> so that feeling never leaves. Yeah. I think it's a really bizarre concept. I think sessions are incredible. I always say I want to be a fly on the wall of someone else's room. Mm. Probably more so just for my anxiety, just to know like, okay, does everyone else have those internal thoughts? Yeah. Um, like my biggest thing that I, I, I'm empath, like we're all empathetic because we're creatives and we have that. So my biggest fear I have is for like the producer who turns to the piano and goes, okay, and like tries to find the chords. <laughs> I always feel so bad for them. And I'm always like, okay, I need to come in with like chords and ideas and, you know, make it easier for them. I've had so many terrible, terrible sessions and for whoever's fault or for whatever reason, or someone rocks up late or you rock up late or you're just not feeling it or someone else yeah. isn't feeling it. Someone gets a phone call, like, like they get bad news. Like there's yeah. so many different things. Um, and I have so many stories to that. Like even with fake friends, um, I got kicked out of the session I was in. So like they were like, you are not good enough to be in this room. Like, Excuse me? I wasn't. I stand, I agree. <laughs> I wasn't good enough. I really wasn't. And I I went off and I called my mom, like, like the adult I was. And I was like, mom, I'm leaving. This has been a terrible experience. I don't know why I ever did this. I'm going back to work in gyms. That's where my passion is. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm leaving. And my mom and dad were on the phone. They were like, okay, this is your make or break moment. You've done a really, really good job. You've made it all the way here. You've made it further than most people will ever make it. So you can stop or you can just like toughen the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and with no, with so much love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I actually really want to like, my parents would never swear by the way. So they didn't say fuck, but um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they were like, yeah, you can, yeah. And so I went into like a little drum room, like a little control room. And I sat down, I had like my little crappy chords that I could play on the piano. And I started writing fake friends. 
And the chorus, it's no longer in the song, was all about like these fake people. <laughs> about the people in the other that room? That I just wrote, yeah. And that's how the wow. song happened. I've had so many sessions where like awkward things have happened. People have not rocked up. People have thought like I wasn't going to be in the session and like just egos getting in the way of like the writing process um, or like whatever. And I can, I appreciate and understand it because there's a burnout culture, you know, doing five sessions a week minimum is like a lot of sessions. Yeah. It's too much, you yeah. know? And so people like you can just get in your head and you can get, you know, a bit of ego because you're like, oh, I'm sick of working with people that like, you know, aren't bringing what I'm bringing or whatever. But I had an incredible mentor in my life early on and I had this session and the guy was not very good. You know, he couldn't, he was slow. He couldn't get the chords going. He couldn't like this, everything. And I wasn't very good, but I had a bit of ego. And I was like, oh, terrible session. And I went off and I spoke to her and I was like, you'll never guess, don't do the session with him. He's the worst, la, 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 la. It was I me. <laughs> I won't say names. I won't yeah. say names. Um, and um, she was like, oh, right, noted. And then she went into the session and she wrote, the most amazing song. Two weeks later, the song got picked up and it's 100 million streams. Now, later, it was like picked up, gone straight away, did yeah. all the things. And she turned around to me and she said, you're only as good as the worst person in the room. And that's like always stayed with me. And that was the ego thing. And it was like, I got checked very early on. Like, yeah. you ain't, you ain't as, you, you know. It's hard creatively because you're never guaranteed an output anyway. You could sit in that room for eight hours and not, like nothing of worth can come out. So, And again, changing the perspective of it, it's like nothing of worth or like the fact that you got into the room and you did that. Like that's the starting process to maybe tomorrow's song or mm. the song after. So nothing's yeah. wasted. Nothing's ever wasted. And I think, again, like a creative process, like there is, it's, there's no like, there's no structure to that. We You can't just say like, oh, I'm going to just sit here and write a hit song, mm. right? So like every, there's a there's a million incredible stories behind every like hit song or, you know, and a, a million terrible ideas behind yeah. every hit as well. Yeah. <laughs> so like with Fake Friends, did you, was there anything special about that song or was that just another session, like another track you've written and you just thought, yep. It was like just another session. And I think also because of the space and where I was writing it, I was writing from a place of real desperation because I'd just been kicked out of my yeah. session. So I was really like, I just, I, but also it was an outlet moment too, because I was like, okay, well, these guys are fake friends. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, emotion in it. Yeah, there was. I did, um, I was told by one of the co-writers in that, that I brought that song into that I turned around to her and I was like, you're welcome. I just wrote you a hit. And she's like, <laughs> she held it. And then she like told me later on. And I was like, oh, she's a little bit sassy over here. But no, I, it wasn't anything. Um, it wasn't anything necessarily like special. Sometimes you have those moments where you're like, oh, I know this song's going to come out. Like this is, yeah. this feels really good. But sometimes they don't come out. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. that's the maturity in it. It's like, I just write songs because they feel good. And in the room, that song is for me and I will enjoy that process and I will like have an amazing time with my co-writers and like just nurture it and be as like sappy and as like protective over my song. But as soon as I leave that door, it's no longer my song anymore. Mm. And I really, I think that's really healthy because like once like labels and managers and other artists start getting involved and things start getting changed, you can't be too sensitive. Mm. Well um, done. Sounds like you've really got your mental state for songwriting like mm. worked out perfectly where you can go in, 
execute, leave the room, and that, like you said, that's it. It's Close a journey. Room. I wouldn't say I've got it perfectly. Like it would be wrong if I did say that I've got it perfectly. You're conscious <laughs> about it all, though, so which I think is really healthy. Self awareness is important, and I think again, a massive thing that you need in trying to navigate a fickle, difficult industry. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've been burned a couple of times, so I, I, I would like to be able to go. Don't care, and I'm at that point at the moment. But I um, sorry. I I helped some artists out, and I won't. They'll remain. I won't. <laughs> Say the names. I helped some artists out with a project uh, where I produced a record and then it used a lot of funky samples from the 70s and 80s. And it was, I, was, I think it was one of my better disco records that I'd made and I'd been stashing it. I just, it was not an opportunity to do anything with it. And they, they met up with me. They, they had to listen through my catalog and they want that one. Like, oh, that's one. It's a bit hard to clear. It's got so many samples that don't leave with us. And um, ended up being one of their biggest songs. Mm. Uh, and I didn't get a single writer credit. Nothing. Nothing. Oh. Zero. And um, they've since hit me, hit me back wanting more. I was went no. And, and I just find in this industry that when it's so transactional like that, that works really well in business. But when you're someone, it's incredible you can do that because I'm, I'm at the point now, especially now that we run these studios, that no, it's yours. Like, I don't want any of this. Like, you've come here. There's been a transaction before you've even come here and that's it. That's, that's done. Like, it's all your IP. It's all your whatever. Whatever I've done to contribute in that time, like what you're saying, yeah. awesome. And after that, it just gets messy. But to get to that point, mm. I actually had to be burned to go, it's just not worth it. It's mm. not worth putting my, or fixing my ego to this, this project once I've passed it on. It's, it's now yours. So... I think also like interesting on the contract stuff because I think it's really important that us creators, songwriters, producers, artists have these have more conversations about the contracts that we sign. Mm. So hush hush and like yeah. even like within a song that people won't won't say what they got or it's just like to not, you know, don't want to block the song, just want to get it out, all these sort of things, but we're getting burnt by the industry. Yes. It's a real thing. Mm. Yep. Like it's not sustainable. No, it's not. It's not sustainable at all. It's not sustainable for the songwriters. It's just sustainable for the artists. Yeah. And the only people winning are the record labels and the yeah. distributors. Yeah. So like, and just, you know, like it, it's not sustainable in the way that it's working. So we really need to continue to have these conversations and empower each other and like, go like, what did you get? What are, what are you doing? What yeah, are in your contracts? Yeah. Having these conversations is what allows growth. And mm. I think like, that's like a massive thing. Like you've had that situation happen younger. Again, it's like, all these little burns, all these little rejections, and then you're getting told every single day you got to get up and write another song. It's like, wow, like, of course people are going to fail. We're not set to succeed. It's not, there's no, there's no process there for us to win. Yeah. That's so damaging. Yeah. And like, when people get there and get up to the top, you see them have these massive burnouts. No shit. Yeah. No shit that's happening. I think it's really important that we keep on like, yeah, leaving our ego aside, but also not being scared to have these conversations and speak out and be like, okay, cool. Like we need to just really work out what our rights are and what we are entitled to. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Yes, that kind of happened in the actor space recently. Remember what we were talking about mm. on the pod? We did, it hasn't yeah. really transitioned over to the music industry. Yet. Well, I mean, there's been a couple of instances like, for instance, like uh, Taylor Swift, uh, when her masters were acquired by another company and then she went about re-recording her original songs Boss move. Massive, Such. massive boss move. And uh, just doing it. 
like that's one of those perfect examples of someone like when you first start and you just go off to New York or you just upload it to thing. She just did it. Correct. Right? Like that's something because why not? But like, again, like we can distribute our own songs. We can set up our own companies. We can do all these things. You've done it. Like you're making that happen. There is those opportunities and those options there. And it's just about like, again, knowing our rights. I think we get so caught up in working in our businesses. We're not working on our businesses. And so we're just in sessions every single day, writing songs or we're out touring, doing gigs constantly. We delegate everything off to everybody else. with actually very little like management that is able to, you know, and if you've got a manager and you, you know, it's just, it's an interesting, it's a whole, creators are different. It's different to, you know, owning a small business, local small business. It's full on. The only real way to learn is through experience or to have a mentor, someone that has lived it before you. I guess the scene's changing so much now. Even TikTok, I, I read that, I believe Warner. Universal. Universal. Damn it. I love that we all know this though. Yeah. That's great because I'm pretty sure I happened, happened like yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. It happened yesterday. <laughs> but surely it's just a standoff. Like someone's going to have to give I'm surprised TikTok They've pulled hasn't. until they can agree on the on the, the laws. They're going through like a legal battle right yeah. now. And so they've pulled until they can come to an arrangement or something like yeah. that. That's yeah. what I saw on my alert. I say, is the label just going to clean up? Whatever happens anyway. I don't think. Yeah. It's not necessarily about the small guy still in that perspective. So we still need a lot more conversations around like what we should be doing as the creators because like it doesn't make any sense that songwriters are like, you know, being paid less. But I guess, yeah, it's just, that's just business, isn't it? It's like, we need to, we need to have more conversations about it. Totally. And we will. And it, it, yeah, at the risk of maybe burning some bridges. But yeah, since I've been independent, it's been fascinating to see now in hindsight, that that deal was so weighted on the label doing well. And while it makes sense, even then, I was so hungry and ambitious, not for label success, but for having the backing of a label to get touring. Mm. I didn't really care. I just signed whatever deal was put in front of me. It was like, that's cool. That's good feel. Let's go for it. And then I didn't realize that I, I had this thing called ancillary income. And so... Every dollar I was earning, I didn't realize uh, there was a percentage of that, no matter what it was, whether I sold a beanie, whether it was a YouTube view, whether it was touring, whether it was just doing something as an appearance and getting paid from like brand endorsement sponsorships, the label got was entitled to a percentage of that income that my accountant I, that I paid for was reconciling and then I just getting hit with a bill. Meanwhile, the A&R of the record label has left to go on and do bigger and better things. So I totally understood. I was like, you go, bro. That's amazing. Like what you're about to do. Awesome. I wish I could come with you. And the label's not putting the music out, but demanding that I pay this bill. Mm. And so you get into this, okay, do I piss off the label because I'm not actually in a position financially now to actually pay you what you're due? And also I'm not getting anything out of this deal. And the reason that I'm not getting anything out of this deal is that the climate's changed. The music that I'm making for you is no longer suited. They want a tropical house and I was making dubstep. And you just, you hit. And then my next trip to New York was actually to knock on the same door to say, I'm done. And that was a very scary conversation. But it was only until I knew my rights. Yeah. But who benefited out of that? The lawyers got totally cleaned out. They did a great job. But it was very expensive to get out. Mm. Uh, still had to pay out the label. And uh, yeah, just had to keep that armor shining, you know, keep uploading Instagram, still make it look like things are happening when in fact it was very much the opposite. So yeah, yeah, not playing the victim card by any means, but it was just 
a big steep learning curve. And that's why, and that's why it's so important to have these sort of conversations and yeah, start us all talking about it. Um, and I think the interesting thing too is I think like with social media now, people are really appreciating and enjoying a lot more of that like organic posting. So mm. like if people are unhappy with the label situation, and I think a really beautiful and incredible example of that is Ray. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She did the, um, I found myself in a shit position. Man, that I loved me down last night. Or like, I'm on Prada. Oh, oh yeah, no, that one. <laughs> Terrible singing right now. No. <laughs> Just saying. We'll order tune that. Definitely order tune that. But she just did that. She's she's written like so many massive dance songs. Like all of the songs that you guys would know, DJ'd mm. out, all of that. She's behind them. Songs with everybody. She's done so many albums. She's worked with everybody. She's done all the things. And she just got to a point where she's like, I'm an album artist. Like I want to be releasing my albums. Mm. And she did it independently. And it went to like number one everywhere. And she's now doing, she's in Australia right now doing, um, is it Laneway? Um, well, not Laneway. Um, is it Laneway? What's, what festival's on right now? It's Laneway, yeah? We get her on the podcast. Yeah, she's coming on to, tomorrow. She'll be here. Then back to back episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but she's a perfect example of somebody who, like, again, has just like gone and been like, I just was so open and candid about her experience to the to the wider audience mm. and been like, this is my situation. I still love the people, but I don't love the experience of being signed to a label. Nice. And I'm gonna put it out on social media. And it was so well received because it was real. Yeah. Everything organic cool. now and real is performing way better than polished. This podcast content. is the realest I've ever been. It's unfiltered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like before it would be about how pol like how clean can this photo and video be and with yeah. no mistakes. Even going back to, you know, yeah. deleting your 100,000 followers because you wanted to seem more professional. Makes me sad because I feel like, you know, there could be a biography about you and they could have had those clips of you playing your piano way back when you were young. Yeah. Now they're all... They're somewhere. I mean, to be completely fair, they were really bad. No, so I'm glad. Uh, like, you know, it's like a three-second clip. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Have you seen TikTok? Like, that's… Yeah, true, you know. true, 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 true. Yeah. I'm sure there's somewhere. I'm sure there's like a photo booth or some sort of like Mac computer somewhere that's yeah. like storing all Having of this… everything. Horrible, oh, horrible. I did all the same stuff as well. Like, I used to upload like guitar covers and all that to YouTube and that. Have I'd you? be like in my bed with like… You know, Children's type, but like I was that young that all my quilt covers and that were like Spider Man. No, no, they were like oh, bananas in pajamas, the same problem. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Have I you seen um, on TikTok Post Malone's first music video? So yeah, in the good. denim. Um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I love Days it. So great. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, but it's like but amazing because it's like you just have to do those things. Yeah. Like, it's like every, everyone has a starting point. Yeah. I saw the most amazing video of like Ed Sheeran on some like talk show and he was like I just want to say like I wasn't born like this this wasn't like they didn't just come out singing songs like this mm. and he played like a little snippet of like one of his songs and he's like having like multiple like octaves like and it's just terrible yeah right it was so funny but he was just like this is one of my first songs I ever wrote it's terrible and I don't like doesn't mean that like I'm not the number one artist ever period yeah. like <laughs> so yeah. oh man I should go into the uh, the archives and find some of my Music, put it on a CD, see if I can sell a thousand. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you you clearly you 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 figured out that the career is happening now. Let's let's we'll get back to your journey. You're you're in the thick of it. You are a professional songwriter. You're also an artist, so you're releasing music as 
your alias as your name? Name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what? Let's go. My we'll government go. name. Sorry. Yeah. Really no alias. secrets. Yeah. It's not no really an alias. It's your age. <laughs> <laughs> not spelled differently. Um, what's what's <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> what's on the cards for Alex Hosking 2024? Mm. Obviously, you can't name some things. I wish that I could because I've got some really exciting things, but I will talk on this. I'm doing a lot of writing for other people, really loving that. I love doing that, writing in a couple of different genres and just having a lot of fun. Um, and then working with like my dream DJs, which is just so cool. Mm-hmm. I just did an incredible songwriting camp with um, Pooh Bear and Shindu, which is amazing. Like Pooh Bear's behind like all the Usher music, behind all the Justin Bieber songs, pretty much behind like all these pivotal artists. He's helped shape their sound. So to get to have like a good couple of days with him and just write a bunch of songs, you know I came prepared. I literally had seven songs ready to go each day. Nice. And I walked away from like a three-day trip, like um, songwriting camp with like 15 songs. I was like, I'm not, not going to have this opportunity. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, How long were you with that? I think just three two, days? two or three days, yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. It was just honestly like mayhem. We would start the days really early. We actually did it in Melbourne, which I thought was so cool. Mm. Um, it was an initiative through Song Hubs and APRA, AMCOS, which is like our PROs mm-hmm. um, for anyone that doesn't know. Um, and um, yeah, like we just, yeah, we just locked in the studio really early and didn't leave till very late. Mm-hmm. And I was jet lagged because I'd just come in from New York and I um, was up super early every morning. So I just have a bunch of songs ready to go. And I'd be like on my energy knowing full well that by like 4 p.m. like I was going to be like, crashed Um, and there it just was like it was super sick so that was really cool what does the session look like do you I mean I've worked with you before do you (laughs) you know chaos (laughs) your laptop desktop just projects everywhere so do you just demo projects yeah you would have tens of thousands of projects right because you record yourself yeah you can engineer and produce and all that so do you open up something that you've already recorded or are you just singing live? Like, you know, do you go to Pooh Bear and you're like, do you want to listen to this? Like, well, how does it look? Tell us the the session. What was it like? I think a healthy session for me, I'm, again, a little bit of self-awareness. You wouldn't agree with this at all. I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> you're like, not, not at all. all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like, not at all. Is that a C chord? I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit of like, I feel like it's, you know, I love to think that I'm super collaborative. Yeah. But. but uh, it's, it's, everyone shares those qualities. Like, we all like what we like. <laughs> you, everyone's, you know, driven. I just to. love my opinion. Guilty. Right, we all do. I love my good. opinion. Listen, this is the thing. I am super, I, I've, I check my ego. I Love to collaborate. I'm more than happy to like be like, oh, cool. Yeah, sick. Like do that energy. But I think when I'm truly in my most healthiest energy as a songwriter, it's when I've had a moment by myself to creatively think about something and what I want to bring to the table. I think it's the job of the artist and the songwriter, which is normally nine times out of 10 what I'm coming in on a session, Mm. is to come in with a concept, come in with an idea, to come in with something that the rest of the people can actually support. Nice. That's truly what I believe a real artist does. It's like, they're like, oh, I have a vision. Yeah. Without that, we're all sort of just in a room trying to write a mm. song and, and and what direction do you go in? And you yeah. can go in a million directions. Yeah. You're trying to take leadership in that kind of 
process. I think so because then once you go into the room and you say, this is the direction, this is what I'm trying to achieve, this is what I want to do, then it's the person sitting behind the desk to really like lead the session mm -hmm. in order to make sure that the thing happens. Yep. And then it's the songwriter's job for me, again, this is my personal opinion, that help bring the storyline out. So everyone has really cardinal, like important roles. And um, I also think like there's people that, are just great vibes in a room. And I think that's a really important role and just like keep the energy out because it can also be mm, like exhausting. Ups and, downs, yeah. Hey, yeah. Right? and also like you have to like low key, like you might be walking into a room with people you've never met before and sure. it's just expected. You have to just become best friends yeah. and like, let me just talk about like my whole breakup. Like, and yeah. we're just going to get into it right now. And mm. I've never met you before. And that's not comfortable necessarily. So you have to have a lot of trust and mm. Again, nine times out of 10, you're telling people things that like you haven't even told your best friends yet, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess like for me, a healthy session is that the most exciting part for me in that process though is that like I feel like I've started to really like gain a whole nother self like skill set in production. And so now I'm coming into the session with like a beat that I've made. Nice. We're in trouble, man. Yeah, I know. We're out of the job. <laughs> yeah. But like I'm coming in with like a basic beat basic chords, the concept, the idea, all of these things. And I'm bringing it to the table and I'm like, this is the direction. This is what I want. And if it's not the vibe for today, then we'll go on another one. Mm -hmm. Or we maybe just take the top line and we like scratch the whole beat. Or maybe we just take the beat and we scratch the top line, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just try to bring as much to the table as possible. So prepared. Awesome. Awesome. Real professional. Yep. She's a professional mm -hmm. girl doing time. professional things. Yeah. Pro. Absolute yeah. pro. No, that's awesome. Yeah. There's been plenty of sessions where everybody's like, so what are we doing? Yeah, I guess someone's oh, going to I have this beat on my, yeah. So. And that happens. And like, I'm not saying like there's sometimes I'll come to a room exhausted, maybe you did a gig the night before, like whatever. And you're mm. like, I just have nothing to bring. Mm. Yeah. But you've got to kind of hope and pray that like one of the other people have had that same energy yeah. that you've had. Yeah. Like I actually have a concept and you're like, oh, thank yeah. God. Like, Do you find, do you get a time before the session to meet or are you just thrown in the studio straight away? Normally just thrown in. Wow, okay. One of the things I'm trying to do here at this studio is similar to before we started this podcast is just sort of have like a debrief. just Or even get a meal. Yeah. Best icebreaker. Only problem is one of our artists, she always falls asleep. As soon as she eats, it's like, Gone. I'm going to go home now. It's like, what? what? No, I get that time? actually. I like yeah. can't eat before I start creating. I just can't do it. I can We've eat like that. after the hard we work. We starve our artists yeah. now and yeah. we make sure only energy drinks. You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. But it, it's so fascinating that you just ask someone like, how was your day? And they tell you a story and all of a sudden like that, that's the vibe. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. I love like, so in Europe and in the UK, and this is like, just again, a stereotype, but like they set, start their sessions really early. You kind of like get in, hi, hi, how's it going? Like, what do you like? Cool, cool, cool. Very quick, straight into the session mm. by five o'clock, nine till five, everyone's out. They go home, they have to go to the gym, they have their dinner with their family, they live their great life. In LA, it's like, the session gets pushed back and yeah. then it gets pushed back a little bit more. It might get canceled, whatever. Like mm, yeah. it gets pushed back. It was supposed to be a one o'clock start. Now all of a sudden it's getting started at three. People still rock up late. You yeah. all sit and you have a chat. And, and then I, order some food. Then and you order like, some food what? and then it's eight o'clock. And oh, then my boy's going to rock up and take us to the club, you know, like uh, we'll just, and then we'll yeah. come back. Is right. that your American accent? Uh, no. <laughs> Cut that out. But, um, I, I do, yeah. but I actually like, I think there's a time and place for all. And I actually really do love that process too, because you actually... We're just like, we're here just to vibe and hang and like check each other's energy. And yeah. like, we're all here trying to be on the same page and not have ego. Mm. So I do really, really love that. I also love, can, like, I'm very ADHD. So it's just nice to be like, bang. Working. Yeah, this is, that's what I'd, I'd like to do. So 
I'm going to give me the options. I'd be like, well, nine to five. But like, if we come here, it's like I'd want to be here at ten or just after peak hour. Yeah, here. Yeah, I'm honestly, on. I'd yeah. rather work during the day. Yeah, hundred percent. It just it's it's and the energy of the day, and that's the beautiful thing because you're working with different people and with different emotions and all mm. these different and like different perspectives. So it's like whatever the vibe is, like that's just trying to be as open as possible for that. I guess you know. Okay, so if we were to give some advice to young aspiring singer songwriters or producers or DJs, even. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We hope so. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they're all good. Yep. Um, I mean, uh, you're doing your job, better, Luke. Well done. It's doing better great. to like check. How long then... have we been going? Because, yes, wait, we'll wrap it up. Um, 60 minutes. Ooh, la, la, the longest podcast you've ever had. Yeah, Guilty of chatting away. <laughs> okay. I feel like we could yeah, we could go endless. for another hour easy. Part two. I would love to get you back. We'd love to have you back. So I think if you could give some advice to anyone aspiring you know, starting out, we've mentioned leaving your ego at the door. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's going to be a real hard pill for a lot of the young young'uns because they, they're so green. But what what would like your general advice? Because you mentor and coach a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. What what's the 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 commonality, the theme that you'd most give people? I actually want to say I think the younger generation are getting it so much better than how we had it. Yeah. Honestly, I think we were taught in a different space, and like there was a lot more ego, and people weren't opening doors for a younger generation. I think younger generation are so kind and like they're so on their stuff and they're so smart and they're yeah. doing the thing. So I don't know. I think like there's a lot less ego, I think, coming up, which I think is amazing and so great. Um, but definitely ego the door, the way you speak to yourself really matters. And I think that's a massive one. Um, how we we treat ourselves um, and how we present ourselves, that really, really matters because like ultimately like we're not going to get yeses every single day. Mm. And I think just in hearing your younger experience too, like it's like you were saying, like you're so kind to everyone else, but maybe not as kind to yourself. So important to be kind to yourself because like that's where you're, that's where the pull of giving comes from. Um, and also it's where the creative comes from. So it's going to impact all of those things. So the way you speak to yourself matters. And then I think the biggest thing in the business sense and just, um, just, being organic, being true to who you are, not trying to change to be able to fit a mold because that's what everyone else is doing at the time. Mm-hmm. You chase genres. We know how that works. 100%. You're always going to be behind the ball. Yeah. Um. So always staying true to yourself. And even if it's cheesy, don't care. Yeah. I, I never wanted to be cheesy. I never wanted to like, I never wanted to be that girl who was doing the pop stuff, but like all oh, the, whatever, the dance things where no one else was doing dance or whatever. But like, I'm so glad that, like, you know, you get past Cheese Mountain and it's fine. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I would say is consistency. Consistency is key. You've just got to stay consistent, head down, making that happen. That's the most important thing. Hustling away and just, um, and just yeah, every day getting up and doing the same thing. I think that's probably the best advice. A lot of great advice in this whole episode. Yeah. I can't wait to... Cut that down into a little TikTok for the youngins. <laughs> yeah. Alex Hosking, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Uh, and thank you for being 
such a superstar. You've been such a great friend in and out of the music industry. So like, all, all of us here, we're so proud of you. Uh, you are the flagship of Adelaide. And it's so good to have you back home. Like, it's great to have our mate back. But obviously, we are so pumped for you to get back out to the world and keep kicking goals. We'd love to have you back for a second episode. Yes, we need and a second one. Yeah, just, just keep crushing. Well done. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Cool. Oh, Thanks. if you've enjoyed this episode, please follow Alex. I'm sure you already are. And uh, yeah, support local. And for our overseas uh, viewers and listeners, hit that subscribe button. I said I wouldn't ask people to hit subscribe, but you actually cheese have to. Mountain. Cheese Gotta Mountain. Got to climb right Cheese now. Mountain. Hit, yeah. I'll do it for you guys. Follow that. Subscribe to that. Like that. Hit that. <laughs> Done. Done. Let's go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>